Baptist Bible Fellowship. Please welcome Michael Haley. Did you guys enjoy that worship? Man, at the name of Jesus, every knee will what? Bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. Man, I'm, I'm excited that you guys are here tonight. Um, even though they, they uh, printed ahead of time who was going to be speaking, I thank you for still coming tonight. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought, how does somebody uh, kind of get roped in to uh, speaking at one of these, these events at the, the fellowship meeting and get the, uh, I don't know if it's the privilege or the honor or what to speak to other pastors. But this is, this is my thought. The reason why I'm up here tonight is if you've ever hosted a meeting, there's probably something inside of you that would like to speak. Like, this is my church. I'm the most comfortable on this stage. I know where all the, the screens and everything are. Um, but my brother probably didn't want to be the first guy to do that. So he's like, I'll get my identical twin brother. So I'm excited to preach this message that John wrote for us tonight. I hope it will be a blessing to you guys. Um, he just sent it to me this morning, so we'll try to, to get through it. Um, and half of you in here, I could be John and you wouldn't even know. So we'll let you, uh, we'll let you think about that one. If you have your Bibles, I want to turn you to the passage in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 5, as you turn there, I want to say, man, thank you Hallmark Baptist Church for hosting us. Um, uh, thank you, John, for, for hosting us, and I, I pray that tonight will be a, a blessing to you. Uh, man, Bruce, Bruce was awesome. Let's give Bruce a hand. And uh, this church uh, has a, a special place in my heart. Uh, my dad and my mom served here for 22 years, and uh, you guys survived those 22 years of my, my dad being here. But, uh, man, you guys, I, I love the way my parents invested in this ministry uh, and loved on the people here, but you guys love them back, and so I thank you for that. Um, and now you guys didn't have enough Haley, so you uh, had John and Joy come, and, and I'm excited for the future of Hallmark Baptist Church. Um, this, this church has a great legacy, um, but God's not done with this church yet. There's some amazing, amazing days ahead of them, and so I'm excited for them. So 2 Samuel chapter 5, the, the idea of the, the theme of this um, conference is preach the word. So I'm going to do my best to do that. But I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me. We're going to read uh, some uh, verses here in, in 2 Samuel chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 20. And I just want you to, to stand as we open up God's word and read it together. In verse 1 it says, And then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. So all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them and Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Verse 4, David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. At Hebron he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And at Jerusalem he reigned over all Israel and Judah 33 years. And the king and his men went to Jerusalem against the Jebusites, the inhabitants of the land, who said to David, You will not come in here, but the blind and the lame will ward you off. Now if you're a competitive person, you understand what's going on here, right? Like throwing a little smack talk down before the game. Like, we could throw the lime and the blame out, David. You ain't coming in. All right? And David answers, and they were thinking, David cannot come in here. Verse 7, nevertheless, David took the stronghold of Zion, that is the city of David, 
And David said on that day, whoever shall strike the Jebusites, let him get up the water shaft to attack the lame and the blind. So he, he, he uh, quipes back to him, who are hated by David's soul. Therefore it is said, the blind and the lame shall not come into the house. And David lived in the stronghold and called, this, called it the city of David. And David built the city and all around the, the Milo inward. And David became greater and greater, for the Lord, the God of hosts, was with him. And Hiram, king of Tyre, sent out messengers to David, and cedar trees, also carpenters and masons who built David a house. And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. And David took more concubines and wives from Jerusalem after he came from Hebron, and more sons and daughters were born to David. And there's a bunch of names that I can't pronounce, so go down to verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. But David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. And the Philistines had come and spread out the valley of Rephim. And David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said to David, Go up, for I will certainly give the Philistines into your hand. And David came to Baal Perazim, and David defeated them there. And he said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, the name of that place is called Baal Perazim. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that it is alive and that it speaks to us. And so we ask that you would just bless this time as we open up your word. I pray that you would allow me to be your servant tonight, that you would speak through me. I pray that uh, we would be uh, challenged, that we'd be encouraged tonight uh, from this, the life of David. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Right, you guys may be seated. You know what the four, according to uh, Peter Drucker, the four most difficult jobs in America are? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a list of the four toughest jobs, and these are not in any particular order, all right? But the, the first one is this, the President of the United States. And I would say you make it harder on yourself if you don't filter what you put on, uh, on your Twitter account. Like, a lot of his stuff could be relieved if he would just give that account to somebody else to, to take over for him. But President of the United States, another one is hospital CEO. If you've ever read through insurance policies, like, I couldn't imagine having to be in control of a whole hospital and all the different things that you have to le legally read through. Another one is uh, university president. Right? And I know uh, we have two of our colleges and the presidents here. I'm thankful for our presidents. For, uh, for David Melton and Mark Milioni and the, the ministry. Let's give them a hand. I don't know. And, and man, the, just that passion they have for, for ministry and for, for our students. Did you guys enjoy the breakaway bands? And they were awesome. Let's give them a hand. You guys did awesome. I got to know a lot of them this summer. They came out to, to Colorado, and, and we took them up in the mountains and did some four-wheeling and some Jeeps and uh, uh, didn't. Luckily, we didn't tip any Jeeps over, but we had a great time. You know what the, the fourth, one of the other toughest jobs in America is? Some of you probably understand what this is. It's pastor. Pastor. And, and when you meet another pastor, there's like this brotherhood, right? Like, it's like a fraternity. And when you meet another pastor, you don't know if, like, should I give you my condolences? Could I, should I congratulate you? Like, but there's, like, there's something about a pastor that it's not easy. Am I right? It's not an easy job, but God has called us to it. And so I want you to turn to somebody around you and just say this to them, all right? Hang in there. All right, hang in there. God's not done with you yet. 
And back to our passage in, in 2 Samuel chapter 5. Verse 20, we read it, it says, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. And David calls the place Baal Perazim, which means the God who bursts through. And so what I want to talk about tonight is this, this word breakthrough. Like, because in a room of pastors and different ministries, missionaries, and all of us, man, there's some strongholds in our lives that we need God to burst through. And there's five principles that I want us to look at because some of you tonight showed up discouraged. Some of you showed up defeated. Some of you, if you're uh, from the Boston area, you showed up deflated. We're praying for you. Some of you showed up depressed. Some of you maybe showed up discouraged, just ready to quit. And so I hope that, that through the, the life of David, through this, this chapter here, that we can, there's just five principles we're going to look at that I believe that will help us to, to see breakthrough. And understanding this, these, these five things are not like a cheat code. That if I do these five things, then God's got to move and God's got to work. And, and so God's going to do this if I do this. That's not what these are. All right, these are just five principles that I believe as leaders, as pastors, we can uh, posture ourselves in a position that if God chooses to break through, we're prepared for it. And if God doesn't, we know it's not because of negligence on my, fault, on my part. That I've been faithful to do what God has called me to do. And so these are not five things that, hey, if you write these down, your church is going to double next week. Your offerings are going to triple. That prodigal son is going to return home. That, that's not what this is. These are just principles that I believe we can align ourselves with that David did so that when God burst through, he was prepared. All right, so the, the first one in, in verse 2, 2 Samuel 5 and verse 2, says, In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And so the first thing is that David led. David led, and, and leadership, being a leader is, is not just because you have a position. And David, we understand that, that David was anointed king at the, around the age of 10 to 13 years old. I mean, seeing this passage, 30 years old, David still led. Who was king? It was King Saul. But who led Israel in and out? It was David. And to understand that I don't know where God has you right now, but man, be faithful in this phase. Be faithful in the phase that God has you. There's a book called Leadership Pain, and he says that oftentimes pain comes before promotion. And there's a lot of times that we've got to experience some, some pain before we see the promotion. From the age of 10 to 13, David saw a lot of pain. David had to, to kill a lion and a bear to what? Prepare for the giant. David had to kill the giant before he could enter into the palace. And once he entered the palace, he had to dodge spears from the king. Right? There's, there's a lot of pain that comes before promotion, but you have to be willing to be faithful in the phase that God has you. And so David led. David did not uh, allow the, the idea of not being in uh, leadership of king to keep him from leading. And a while back, somebody sent me this illustration. Maybe some of you have heard this before. 
But there's a lady that was in a, a Dollar Tree, and she was in this long line, and there was a, two, a lady, a mom with two kids, and one of them was a toddler, the other one was an older kid, and the, the toddler was screaming. And I know your kids would probably never do that in the Dollar Tree or Walmart, right? That's always somebody else's kid. The kid was screaming, and the, the mom was watching this, this go on, and, and so the mom had this pack of glow sticks, and she handed it to the baby, and the baby stopped crying. And then she looked away, and, and, and the older brother took away the pack of glow sticks. And he opened it up. And the baby started crying, and, and the mom is looking back, and, and this lady that's watching this go down is thinking, well, what's going to happen? And the mom starts to get on to the older brother, but then the older brother takes the glow stick, and he begins to break it. And then he gives it back to the kid. And the, little, the older brother is like, see, I had to break it. For you to see its purpose. And ministry, you've been broken before. Like, I, I doubt there's any of us in here that have not been broken. But man, sometimes the brokenness brings the breakthrough. But we've got to be willing to go through that, break, that brokenness. And, and so, where is God breaking you? May we live like David, and no matter what position you might hold, that you would be faithful to lead. The second thing we see in this passage, David remembered. Verse 12, chapter 5 and verse 12, says, And David knew that the Lord had established him king over Israel, and then exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. David knew that God had put him in charge. And man, it is in ministry, You've got to remember who called you. Remember where God has placed you, that God has put you in position, whether that, that church is, uh, you're the pastor, whether you're the worship pastor, the, the youth pastor, wherever God has you, remember that God called you. In Psalm chapter 78, in verse 70, it says, He chose David as servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. Do you remember your calling? Do you remember when God called you? Because there's a lot of times, I'm guessing you go back and like, you have to remind yourself of that calling. Like when you get that email, you get that phone call, you get that one parent. Hey, God called me to this. David knew. He remembered that the Lord had called him. And we remember that not many wise are called, right? Not many noble. But God chooses what? The foolish things. God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has called us. And, and, and I'm sure you guys have, have read all the statistics of uh, churches that are dying and pastors every month that leave the, the field and they, they leave the, the mission field of their missionaries or leave the church because of it's not, hard, it's not easy. And in those times, we remember that God called us. But I wonder this. Maybe there's so many pastors that are burned out because they forget who God is. Like, remember who called you. This wasn't just a, a, a youth pastor that said, hey, I think you should do this. If God called you to it, he will bring you through it. 
And so we understand that we remember who God is. But understanding and remembering the call, another part and aspect of that is this. We've got to remember what our role is in that call. What is my role as a, an overseer, as a pastor? What is your role as a, a, a shepherd? Acts 20 and verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. The church that God has placed you in is not your church. And I think a lot of times in ministry, we remember God called us, but we forget what he's called us to. God has called us to shepherd his flock that he obtained with his blood. It's not your, it's not your flock. And I think in theory, we understand this, right? Yeah, it's God's, it's God's church. But on Monday morning or Tuesday morning when we get the report, the offering, the attendance, or whatever we look at, we tend to take back ownership. And sometimes we take ownership because it's going well. Sometimes we take ownership because it's, it's not going the way we think it should. But it's not up to us. The breakthrough was never intended for, for it to be upon you. And so we remember that God called us. He is the one that called us. But remember what he's called us to. You're not called to build his church. He will build his church. You're to be faithful to water to, to, to plant the seeds. And we all know the passage, right? He gives the increase. But man, when we try to take ownership of his church, you're going you're to burn out. You're, you're not going to see the breakthrough because you're, you're taking on the role that was never meant for you to take on. So we remember God's call. We remember the role in that call is to shepherd the flock. And the flock is not yours. It is his flock. So the two things he led, he remembered. The third thing is David prayed. David prayed in verse 19. And David inquired of the Lord, should I go up? So David was faithful to pray. And if you're going to see breakthrough in your church, if you're going to see breakthrough in your family, if you're going to see the breakthrough that you're, praying, that, you're, that you're hoping for, you better be praying for it. Pray for it. And, and, and it's easy to, to tell our church to pray for things, right? Mark Batterson says this, the more faith you have, the more specific your prayers will be. It's really easy to pray vague prayers, right? God, help our church to grow. What does that mean? God, help my kids not to burn the house down. God, help them just to get out. Like, we, we're very good. I'm very good at praying vague prayers. Why? It's because it's, it's a lack of faith. And the more, the more faith we have, the more specific your prayers will be. Today, I was, I was in a, the educational meeting this afternoon, and I was looking at this flyer. And if you've ever been in one of those meetings, and, and Greg Lyons is in, in the meeting you know you're going to get like 20 pieces of paper that he's printed up that you're going to get. But one of those papers I was looking at, it, it had this timeline of BBC Asia. When it started. And it started, I believe, back in 2009 with six students. 
And then on this time, and it had the, the different attendants, and I don't remember all of them, uh, but in, in 2015, I believe it was, it says there was 1,500 students. But then the timeline keeps going, and it has a question mark at the end of it, and it just says 5,000. That's a specific prayer. How specific are you in your prayers of, God, I need you to burst through this. God, I need you to show up in this area of my life. And I don't know what challenges you're facing in your ministry. I don't know what uh, challenges you're facing in your families. I don't, I don't know what your dreams are. I don't know what keeps you up at night. But God does. And, and, and prayer allows us to, to take the burden off of our shoulders that we were never meant to carry. And there's so many times, and I know it's because of, of, of who we are and why God has called us, that we, we take on the burden of the church and we put it on us, and it's not our church. And we, when we pray, it allows us to release that and give it back to the rightful owner. It is not yours. And so prayer, it releases that from us. I'll share this, this quote with you. It says, prayer is not to invite, inform, or include God in our plans but God's invitation to inform and include us in his purposes. I don't believe prayer was never meant for us to include God in what we're doing. I believe prayer is for us to get in line with God, and God invites us to join him in his purpose. So we've got to go to him in prayer. One of the, the biggest struggles when I think about brokenness and when I think about this idea of, of prayer uh, that, that we experienced a, as a family. Right? Uh, my wife, Misty, is right here. Everybody say hi, Misty. That was weak. Everybody say hi, Misty. Thank you. All right, Misty and I have been married for, for 24 years now. And uh, one of the, the things that, that we struggle with is um, when we were younger, you know when you get married and you have these ideas of how life's going to be? And you got it planned out. Um, and so we decided we had been married long enough, and we, were gonna, we wanted to have a child. And so we began to uh, do the thing necessary to have a child. <laughs> Amen? All the men said. And so my wife got pregnant, and then she had a miscarriage. And, and if, I'm sure that many of you in this room have, have been through that. And then she got pregnant again, and... And we had Derek. Derek is almost 20 years old now, and he is a, a second year at, at Baptist Bible College. Derek's sitting over here. We're not going to say hi to him, though, because it'll go to his head. But then we're like, a couple years later, like, I think we want another, another child. We haven't killed this one yet. He seems to be okay. But man, it, it just, God would not give us another child. And so we, we tried and tried, and, and so... At one point, we were doing a public call route at this time, and went to the, the fertility doctor, and went, went a couple times, and finally the doctor's like, we'll do this procedure one more time, but after that, I think you're just wasting your, your money. And I heard that, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not good with wasting money. So, didn't get pregnant, then we moved to Delaware, and, and you know, Paul says that he learned to be content. And I felt we were at the point where we were content. And then out of, out of uh, nowhere, my, my wife, Misty, got pregnant. And we were so excited. And, and I remember telling Derek as a young kid, you know, you've, you're going to be a big brother. And, and God has answered your prayer. And God has answered our prayer. And then a week later, she had a miscarriage. 
And so we were, we were thinking, I don't know if you ever felt like, God, what, what are you doing? Like, you ever had the rug pulled out from under you? Or you went to kick the football and they moved the football? Like, we were, we were, I thought we were content, and all of a sudden, we weren't really trying to have a child, and she got pregnant, and then why would God allow us to see the, the fuzzy picture that they said was a baby? You know what I'm talking about? The sonogram? Like, that, that's not a kid. That's like a fuzzy picture. And then a week later, to take it away? Like, the, to this day, the, the hardest thing I've ever done is tell Derek How do you explain to an eight-year-old God's ways are not our ways? How, how do you explain that, that, well, God is sovereign? And so at that point, I think my wife thought it was game on. Like, oh, yeah? We're going to have a child. So we went back to the doctor and came to the, the, the last. They basically said the same thing. If, if we do this procedure, um, this will be the last time because it's just not going to happen. So we had people all over the country praying, and then we got... Dustin. Dustin is nine years old now, and there's been plenty of times I've had to remind Derek that he prayed for Dustin. <laughs> I've, I've even reminded myself that a few times. And then five years later, the God who burst through gave us another baby that we weren't trying for. McKenna is four years old now, and my wife got pregnant while on birth control. I could have saved a whole lot of money <laughs> if I didn't own birth control was all it took to get pregnant. But are you thankful that God is the God who bursts through? That we can, we can come to the Father with our prayers. And so we, we pray, we come to God, and when we pray, God, would you break through? And this is those persistent, those prayers that just keep coming. And, and there's a, a man you guys have, uh, know of, William Carey. And William Carey had a passion for missions. But that passion, there were so many people that he was surrounded with that tried to, to kill that passion. One man said to him, young man, sit down. Sit down. You're an enthusiast. When God pleases to convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you or me. So William kept, Carey kept persisting. And finally, you know the statement, expect great things, attempt great things. Expect great things, attempt great things. And here's the thing. I think a lot of times we're content with praying for breakthrough. We're just content with praying. And the fourth thing that we see David did was David fought. David fought. He said, God, in verse 19, should I go up? God said, go. Imagine if David would have prayed, God, should I go? Is the victory ours? Are you going to give me the victory? And God says, yes. And then David just stood there and said, all right, do it. And I believe a lot of our churches, a lot of us are just waiting on God to fight. God says, go. I've given you the victory. You just got to go take it. It's the old statement, I want to pray to win the lottery, and you at least got to buy the ticket, right? You got to meet him halfway. And David, he inquired of the Lord, and then David fought. How many of you like to watch fights? Some of you are not very honest. 
I love to watch fights. UFC fights or uh, the old heavyweight boxing matches, you know, with Buster Douglas and Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson. When they're like, you knew like one shot, it was done, right? Remember back in high school when there was a fight and the whole like high school was just running to see where this fight was? And when, if you've ever watched fights, whether it's boxing or UFC, one of the things you, you always hear is this, the fighter must fight his fight. And what happens a lot of times when we come to these meetings is we come discouraged, we become depressed, and we leave worse than when we came. Because we start comparing fights. The, the fight that God has called me to fight in, in Fountain, Colorado, is not the same fight that God has called you to fight. But your ministry is not going to look like my ministry. And the fights that you have to, to fight are not going to be the same as me. And Henry Blackaby says this, The source of peace and fulfillment in ministry is not conditioned by circumstances. Peace and fulfillment come from a sincere relationship with God and our Lord Jesus Christ who called us. And I, we live in Fountain, Colorado, just south end of, of Colorado Springs, right next to uh, Fort Carson military base, uh, army base. And so because of that, there's some unique things with, with our church. There's a lot of people that come, and there's a lot of people that leave. If you've ever been in a, a military community, you understand that it's just turnover, turnover. There's always uh, new people. The, the awesome thing about it is that is you get tired of somebody, they'll be gone in two or three years. <laughs> some of you are like, I need to find a military church. Man, I, I love it. We've been there uh, almost 10 years now. And, and I want to show you a little bit of the story of our church. And I, I want to be very clear, this is not to, to brag on me. This is to brag on God. And, and this is to give you encouragement that he is still a God who bursts through. And so we went to this church, uh, Gideon Baptist Church. Church of about 50 people um, on a good day. And when we went to talk to these people... The church, we found out that of the 40 or 50 people that were in the church, 20 to 30 of them were all of the same family. And of this family, they were all related to the founding pastor who was in his 80s that was still at the church. They were also related to the pastor that had just retired who was still in the church. The, the pastor that retired before me was the son-in-law of, of the founding pastor and so most of the people in this church were, were the, the family. And you guys know what that means, right? Like, I talked to a lot of different people, like, should I go here? Is this a good idea? And what would your advice be? No. <laughs> Boy, you stupid, right? Here was my thinking. This church has hit bottom. I can't do any worse. That was my thinking, like, they got nowhere to go but up. They have set the bar pretty low for me. Um, in the first couple years of that church, we, we got to do a lot of uh, foundational pieces just to kind of prepare us uh, for what God would do if he, if he chose to do it. Uh, we changed the, the bylaws, changed the name of the church, um, and then God began to, we get it, began to see it grow. But one of the, the barriers or, or the things that we needed in, in our church as far as breakthrough was our church just didn't have space. Um, our, our building is like 7,200 square feet. And the auditorium, it really is, it was built, designed as 
a nursery, bathrooms, and a couple offices, and a big, like an auditorium. And back in the 80s, they cut the auditorium in half. And so if you can imagine in a, a, a drop ceiling, a roof that goes to a peak, and it goes this way. All right, our auditorium went like this, and here, and then there was a wall. And so the baptistry was in the corner of the building, and it was like, it was a mess. And so we, we, uh, we, were, we would get to a certain point in our church uh, of growth, and then every year we'd lose about 75 to 100 people because of the military. And so we just could not uh, outpace the, 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 the leaving of the, the back door, really, people moving because of the space. And so, man, we, we, we prayed, and we're like, God, what do you want us to do? We, we tried to, to build another building on our property, and God just didn't open the door. We tried to relocate and swap properties with another business owner, and, and God shut that door. And so then finally this, this last year, we decided to tear down that wall. So we, we got some modular buildings, put them up, took the wall down. And, and this is what's crazy is how God moves. All right, this was in the, the middle of the summer, July 30th of, of this last year. It was our first Sunday that we, um, we went back to two services because we had space. So we spread out. The, we were using the whole auditorium. The wall was gone. But there was construction lights still hanging. Uh, the air was off because all the power was out. So we had this huge air conditioner fan that just made it humid. And if you're from Colorado, we do not like humidity. And that day, there was almost 30% more people than, we've, than, than we were averaging at that time. We didn't even advertise. Like, everybody just showed up. We're like, what just happened? Like, we've been doing three services for several years, and the, on that day that we, we went back to two services, there was the highest attendance of that church has ever had other than Easter. And everybody's looking around like, well, we got to do two services for one Sunday. That was exciting. But God continued to move, and God continued to, to bring people. And when you compare January last year to this year, the church has grown by 51%. And God, God is a God who desires breakthrough. And as David claims, he is the God who burst through. One of the coolest things was is back the last Sunday of October, we had 24 people get baptized that Sunday. 15 of them were high school students. Uh, a couple weeks later, we had 17 more that, that went public and got, got baptized. And so we've had, just in the last couple months, 42 people that have, have been baptized. You know what's one of the coolest things is? Yeah, let's give God a hand. Is on those Sundays, because we, we like to have all of, everyone that gets baptized gives a, a video testimony. And so you know what's one of the coolest things of showing up to church knowing is you're not going to have to preach. Right? Like, I love to preach. But, man, when you got 24 people giving a three-minute video testimony, nothing else needs to be said. Right? But we've got to understand that God is a God who bursts through. But if you're going to pray, if you're going to pray for God to burst through, You've got to be willing to fight. If you're not willing to fight, I would say you probably shouldn't be praying. Unless you're praying, God, give me the courage to fight. I mean, that's what Bruce is talking about, right? 
We've got to be willing to take that step. And David could have prayed all day. God, should we go? Should we go? Should we go? And God's like, yes. And David's like, should we go? Should we go? I, I don't know what you need to fight for in your church. But we can probably all think of things that are keeping us from seeing the breakthrough. Are you willing to fight for it? Are you willing to add that service? Are you willing to, to, to remove things? Are you willing to change things? Are you, are you willing to shake things up for God to break through? Because if you're not willing to fight, there's really no reason to pray. You ever seen two people there just like, and you know they're not going to fight? They're probably two Baptists, like, yeah. Man, we need to get a little Pentecostal in us and start fighting, right? The, the BBFI used to be full of fighters. And I'm not just talking about fighting each other. We're good at that. And we, we pray, and we've got to be willing to fight. The fifth thing, David praised. David praised God. He was intentional. What did he call the place? Baal, Perizim. He was very intentional about who got the praise. This wasn't the fight of David. This is the place that God burst through. We've got to be willing when God shows up that he gets the glory, that he gets the praise. We've also got to be willing to praise him even if he doesn't break through. You've got to be willing to, to praise God when he, when he breaks through that wall or whatever that thing is, but are you willing to praise him if he doesn't? Because see, these aren't things that, that are guaranteed that God is going to burst through. These are things that we can say that we've been faithful. And so if God doesn't burst through, it's not because of my negligence. It's not because I haven't been faithful. It's just because in his sovereignty, he has chosen not to break through at this point. We've got to be willing to praise. And I pray that, that this year in your ministry, and you see God burst through. Do you believe he is still the God who burst through? And if we believe that, lead. Lead where God has you. Remember, he has called you. And remember to be faithful to his church. Don't take on the responsibility of his church. Pray. Pray specific prayers. Be willing to fight. And when he shows up, or if he doesn't burst through, praise him. Why? Because he's worthy of your praise. He is worthy of all praise. And I want you to think about this, this glow stick. Are we willing for God to break us if that's what it takes to see the breakthrough? Are you willing to be broken? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and to bow your heads. And the praise band is going to come forward. And we're going to close with, with a song. But I want to challenge you during this, this song of invitation. Are you discouraged? Are you defeated? I want to close with this thought from Paul. Therefore, take heart. And I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to encourage you. 
at the front here, we have some baskets up here. And as we sing, we're singing this song of, uh, of just crying out the, the, the name of Jesus. That we would begin, that you would begin in your life to pray for God to break through. You pray for God to break through. Maybe it's in your church that we would pray that God would break through in our colleges. That we would pray that God would break through in this fellowship. I don't believe God is done with us yet. But are we willing to fight? And so at the front, there's, there's baskets up here at the front that have some glow sticks in them. And I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you as a symbol of, of your willingness to, to do whatever God has called you to do, to see that breakthrough, is to come down and, and kneel at this altar, grab one of these glow sticks. You can break it if you want. Say, God, we're praying to the God who burst through. And we're praying, will you break through? God, we thank you. We thank you that the church is not ours. And we're just to be faithful to water, to plant. God, we thank you that you bring the increase. I pray that you be at those in this room that right now that are, are discouraged, they're depressed, they're, they're defeated, God. May they be, be reminded tonight who you are. You are the God who bursts through. So we just ask you, would you break through those strongholds? Maybe the stronghold is just our fear. How would you burst through our fear? God, we thank you. That you are worthy of our praise. I'm going to ask you, would you just stand with me? And as we stand, we're going to sing this song. What a beautiful name. And as we sing this song, if you, if you, if you want to just come down here and pray, God, I, I, I need you to burst through. Let's worship him.